episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. Todd let me pick the movie today, and I picked one that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. Yes. Uh, today we are talking about 2015 film The Final Girls. Not to be mistaken for uh, the also 2015 The Final Girl, which is also a good movie, but that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> it's not a high, as highly rated as this one, I right. see. But, right. Um... <laughs> I saw this movie, oh gosh, I don't know, a few months ago, just one time, and I fell absolutely in love with it. I think within the first 10 minutes, my eyes were watery, my smile was just going from ear to ear because I knew exactly what kind of movie this was going to be and I was absolutely in love. <laughs> so what did you think, Todd? Um, I have to admit, the same way. And Craig has been begging, actually, to do this movie for quite some time. But I didn't read a thing about it. In fact, I actually acquired the wrong movie initially. I got the final girl that you were talking about <laughs> earlier without the S at the end. And it was this morning when I realized, oh, crap, I need to find the, the right one. <laughs> I had no idea what it was about. I mean, I had this idea, probably had something to do with the final girl concept, but as uh, the movie went on, I was like, oh, probably, what, about 15 minutes into it? I said, oh, I see where this is going, and was entirely pleased. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. It's just such a, a clever concept, and I'm just surprised that we haven't already seen this movie. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's really, you know, it's clever, but... <sighs> so I guess... The concept is, we start out with the trailer for a cheesy 80s slasher film, right? Camp Bloodbath. Camp Bloodbath, right. They won't be singing Kumbaya. They'll be screaming Kumbano. Pack your bags for Camp Bloodbath. You just messed with the wrong virgin. Where the only marshmallow that will roast is your sanity. And it's it's clearly a Friday the 13th ripoff, yeah. um, or homage, even yeah. better. It's terribly 80s and wonderfully 80s at the same time. I mean, it's exactly what we went to the theater for, for all those Friday the 13th movies. It gets you in a good mood right off the bat, Right, it? yeah. Bad <laughs> acting, um, just, you know, all your classic tropes with the, you know, the sex gets you killed and all that stuff. Corny one-liners. Oh, yeah. Uh, you all have seen Friday the 13th. You, you know what we're talking about. And the sequels, too. And then we cut, after the trailer, we cut uh, to this scene with Tessa Farmiga and Malin Ackerman, two actresses who I am, like, huge, huge fanboy fans of. Uh, Tasia is from, uh, well, from a lot of things, but I know her primarily from uh, American Horror Story. She was in the first season Murder House, and she was in Coven also, and she's wonderful in both. Malin Ackerman has been in lots of stuff. She's this gorgeous character actress uh, who is so, like, stunningly beautiful in such a charming way, but also, like, ridiculously funny, too. And their mother and daughter, Malin Ackerman is, is the mom, Her she's and she's an actress, uh, Amanda Cartwright. But this is in present day, so she, you know, she's known for her 80s roles, and she's having problems being taken seriously as an actress now. And she's gone, I guess, to an audition, and she's, and, and her daughter, uh, Max, uh, Teza Farmiga, is with her, and they're in the car, and they're talking, and it's really cute mother and daughter stuff back and forth, and Malin Ackerman says something like, you know, everything in my life I got wrong, but you I got right. I love you. You know that, right? 
It's yeah. really sweet. This exchange couldn't be sweeter, except it, it never got into the saccharine, ridiculous territory. No, it, it was, was cute. It was very believable as a mother-daughter kind of thing. And uh, it just, it was very touching. It yeah. was a great way to set up their relationship. It, it felt authentic to me. Absolutely. You know? And it, they're just driving along and... They're playing. It's really playful, and and the song comes on the radio. Uh, Betty Davis eyes, you know, great eighties song, and and Mullen Ackerman's kind of lip syncing and dancing around. It's really cute. But Max, the daughter, spills her coffee, which distracts the mom, and they're in this terrible car accident. Um, and I read online that the the car accident was all done with CGI, but it looked great. It I mean, looked fantastic. God, I'm gonna gush over this whole movie because I, I just love everything about Me it. Me too. The, this whole um, we're gonna have to look out for our equipment because we are gushing all <laughs> over this film. My room will never be the same. <laughs> we are finished with this. Uh, yeah, oh my word. And what a, it was just so, and it was well filmed. You know, I was just little moments of even this car sequence. I was going, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. After the car crashes, it, it's just night and there's nobody else there. Mm-hmm. It's like a car crash on a cold, wet, dark road in the middle of the night. And, uh, and then the light just turns red. Right. You know, it just clicks. Mm-hmm. Just these moments in this film are so good. I agree 100%. Oh. And, then, and then we cut, what, to how many? Three years later. You know, yeah. it cuts to black. Three years later, Max is waking up in her bed. And um, we realize very quickly that her mother didn't survive the crash. But she's, you know, a teenager now. Again, another thing, you know, they make, in that opening scene, they make Taza Farmiga look so young. And they make Malin Ackerman look, or Malin Ackerman, excuse me, look so much, yeah. like, believably older yeah, than her. they did a good job <clears> with that. Then we get the setup. We meet her friends. We meet Max's friends. She's got this friend, Gertie, who is kind of the frumpy-ish but cute and funny one. And then there's Chris, who's the hot guy who uh, Gertie is trying to hook Max up with. And there's Duncan, who's like the nerdy horror guy. film guy. Yeah. Right? Uh, Duncan is a... Oh, what was the name of it? A, a bathematician. Uh, because... <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is the the club in their school that is like obsessed with these what these people, movies. Who, who people who are obsessed with camp camp, camp bloodbath franchise apparently right uh, exactly. call themselves yeah. And he apparently has just realized that Max is the daughter of the star of this movie, and so he wants her to come to this showing. And she doesn't want to, but he says, I'll do all your homework for you. And so she agrees. Uh, he works at, like, the theater, doesn't he? Or yeah, something? I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. And so she agrees to do it. And so all of the friends meet up at the movie theater. And, you know, there's just the cool posters for Camp Bloodbath. It's all so throwback to the 80s. It's all so fun. It really is. And yet they're really laying it on thick of present day references. Yeah. You know, you kind of notice that the one girl drives up. Oh, I think that's when we're first introduced to Vicky, yeah. which is her friend who I, apparently they were better friends earlier and have grown apart a little bit because Vicky is that prissy, um, what would you call her? She's the girl who's... She's the mean girl, kind the mean of. mean girl, yeah. I mean, she's, you know, passive aggressive. I mean, like, she's still kind of their friend, but... Super hot and knows it. And right. And kind of flaunts it and everything. And she pulls up and she starts making Twitter references and, and uh, later on uh, they're talking about Adderall. She says something about she has she she's got her Adderall with her and, and all that and it's like bam 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 bam. But I actually liked that. I thought that was cool. You know, it's funny, but and I don't know if it's just because writers tend to be just a little bit older, 
you don't we're just now starting to see movies that feel like okay absolutely they take place present day right you know what right. i mean um everybody has a cell phone sure but everybody's referencing twitter and i, I expected a snapchat reference right. here somewhere you know <laughs> at some point and that was cool like it really puts the movie here which which is a perfect setup for later right so it, it was very intentional i'm sure but it also i consciously appreciated that i don't know i felt like this movie I don't know. I, I felt like I was watching something that came out yesterday. Yeah, you definitely. And you're me. right. It's it's a perfect juxtaposition. There's all kinds of funny... I mean, it's just... It's such a funny movie. It, it, really, you know, we got a little bit into it, and I almost felt like I had tricked Todd a little bit, because it's, <laughs> it's really... It is a horror film, but it's so much more than that. It's, and really, like, there's so much comedy. It's so funny. I yes. mean, it's just laugh out loud funny, like 90% of the time. Yeah, and it's <clears> funny <throat> how well it works. They're not trying that hard. I mean, there's so many movies that crack jokes that are so similar, but they're so, they're just not as funny as this movie is. And I don't know if it's a combination of the actor. I think it's a combination of delivery, the actors involved, the way it's presented. All together, this movie just works. It just gels so well. And it just seems like the actors were having so much fun. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you know, in the, with the credits, they do uh, a bloopers reel. And you can just see that these actors were playing and having so much fun. A couple of uh, the actors, we haven't introduced the character yet, because um, he hasn't come up yet, but Kurt, Adam Devine, he's actually <laughs> a musical theater kind of guy. Uh, most people would probably know him from Pitch Perfect, but he's done stuff on Broadway and stuff too. He and um, the guy that plays Chris, I believe, were encouraged to ad-lib a lot of their lines, and they did, uh, and a lot of it made it into the film, and you can tell. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's it's real, it's like fresh funny. It doesn't seem like super scripted, trying to sell jokes. It's, it's just, it's yes. hilarious. It really is. And it also never goes into that territory that we've accused films of before, where they're almost a little too clever. Yeah. Like, that line sounds so written. Right. People aren't really that witty in real life. This sounds like how people talk. How young, you know, Craig and I hang around young people all day long, yeah. and, and we know how they talk. Yeah. This isn't really far from that, is it? No, it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's really fresh. It's really clever. Hey, what a coincidence. This is Tyson. We've been hanging out, and he's so funny. My abs are like shredded from laughing so hard. Anyway, Tyson wanted to come here tonight, and I was like, oh my god, no, but. Here we are, so you win, Tyson. <laughs> so you didn't see my post about it or anything? No, I don't go on your stupid Twitter, which, by the way, has lost three more followers today. Anyway, I'll see you guys inside, okay? <laughs> so they're at the movie, and the movie's playing, and, you know, there's lots of fun gags in the lobby, like uh, Duncan trips over the, the velvet rope and just little <laughs> gags like that. Uh, but they're watching the movie, and then there's this really cool sequence, almost like a like a Final Destination kind of. Yes, sequence. that was the vibe I was getting as well, where things are happening in the movie that they're watching, and it has to be said that obviously um, Max is a little hesitant. She's sort of happy to do it in a way, but this also happens to be the anniversary of her mom's death, mm-hmm. and so obviously that's going through her mind. But it has been three years later, and her mom was in films that's something that she's had to deal with her whole life and i was thinking about that that whole time well i don't know if anybody's ever really explored this topic at least not much but it's something that's fascinated me and that is what is it like to be immortalized Mm -hmm. as a character on the screen but more so what is it like for you as family 
to see a loved one immortalized on the screen, especially in this particular circumstance when they're no longer around. Right. And early on, without hammering you over the head with it, you see this problem. You know, you and you almost know it's going to creep up again, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't know a thing about the movie. Mm-hmm. And I still felt like, oh, this is a theme. This is something we're going to be exploring. And this is really interesting to me. But she plays it so well. She doesn't play it over... It's it's like... It just seems real. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? It seems so real, how the way it would be. And so, this is the point at which the the, the world of the movie, at least a little bit, is paralleling the mm-hmm. world uh, of, of reality. It's starting to blur those lines before that actually happens 100%. Right. Well, like you said, it's this sort of final destination thing where there's uh, somebody on screen, I think it's her mom's character, Nancy, uh, lights a... A lighter, and in the meantime, somebody in the theater flicks a lighter to light a cigarette. Uh-huh. Which I'm not sure what movie. It yeah. Is. <laughs> okay. Whatever. And then um, at the same time, somebody else in the in the in the movie a little minute or two later chugs like out of a bottle, like a Jack Daniels or, or something. Yeah. yeah. And somebody in the theater chugs a bottle out, and, and I'm thinking, what? What's? Where's this going? And. It's this convoluted series of right. events where the bottle falls and rolls down and spills this um, alcohol all the way up to the curtain and underneath everybody. And then, of course, this guy's ash falls right down at just the inappropriate time, lights it all up, just as she is wa- starting to walk out of the theater. Right, It's the, because it's the point where her mom on film is about to get killed. Yeah. Uh, and so she gets up to, like, excuse herself, but then the theater just bursts into flames. And she looks back at her friends, and she runs back to them, and they can see that all the exits are blocked. But she asks Duncan, who works at the theater, is there a a door behind the screen? And he says, yeah. And, you know, this is one of those things, it's like uh, a film, not a film festival, but it's like a party. You know, like people are dressed up, and um, somebody had like a machete, uh, because the guy in the movie, Billy, the bad guy in the movie, uh, kills people with a machete, and they drop it, so Max picks it up, and they run towards the screen, and she slices the screen open, and from behind it, there's this brilliant glow, and the friends all start going through, and Max takes one look back around, but then she goes through too, and then it's like The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) I mean, it's just like The Wizard of Oz. It's just like The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, they wake up in this Technicolor world, and like... Again, you know, it's I, unreal looking. Yeah, uh, immediately you can tell that it's unreal looking forest. You right, know? they're like flowers that are brightly colored, and they, you're conscious of it. Uh huh. Yeah, and I was like, and at that moment, I was like, I turned to Craig and I said, "Oh, it's going to be yeah. one of these kind of movies." That was it, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Now they have entered into the movie, and you know they're standing there, kind of in the forest, and they they hear a car coming. And it's this, you know, like, 70s VW van with these, <laughs> the characters from the movie in it. And we'd seen a scene earlier. We'd right. seen We'd somehow just seen enough scenes from this movie to be able to draw parallels, whether it was from that trailer that we had seen at the beginning, or whether it was from the little clips we were seeing with her in the movie theater, right? Right, right. And so at first, like, <laughs> the, 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 the van pulls up, and they're like, hey, uh, Tina, in the van, the movie cast... We've got Kurt, who is supposed to be, like, the Lothario kind of guy. Um, but it's also hysterically funny, because, I mean, he's a good-looking guy, but he's not, like, your Super, ripped, yeah. you know, uh, hot guy that you would 
which makes it even funnier. He's like the on the football team, yeah, kind of dude. And he's just he's just so hilarious. <laughs> I, I I don't even know. I mean, folks, you're gonna have to watch the movie to see. <laughs> we can't possibly do it justice just talking about it. But um, so there's Kurt, and then there's Tina, who is kind of the dumb blondish one. Yeah, who, so the slutty girl, right? I read they kind of based her character around the like PJ Souls character from Halloween. Mm. Um, so many homages in this movie. I mean, we couldn't possibly list them all yeah again i think that's why you and i enjoyed it so much (laughs) is because we love these kind of movies and to see somebody paying tribute to them while poking fun of it in a really good natured way yeah so much fun it's it's on a different level of this it's different from like the scream franchise yeah you know it's it's maybe more comedy than the scream movies were right but also hyper self-aware yes but i don't know man i don't know why this movie was so much better then there are other films that try to do this. You know, there are other films that try to poke fun. And maybe by the end of this podcast, I will have figured out the formula as to why this movie was way more fun than any of the rest of those. Well, I I think that part of it is because it's got so much humor. It is so hysterically funny, but it also has so much heart. And I think that that's hard to get in Mm. horror and in comedy. And to get a horror comedy that really has this much heart, because it really comes down to another one of the characters in the movie is Nancy, who is is Malin Ackerman. Uh, but, of course, in the movie, she's the character. Yeah. She doesn't know that she's the mom. But right away... you realize that it's going to become this thing where Max is going to have an opportunity to interact with her mother again. Yes. And that mother-daughter thing, that vibe that plays through the whole thing, Max trying to look out for her, and eventually as time goes on, you know, they become close, and Nancy wants to look out for Max, and it's such a sweet dynamic, and the actresses are so good that it has has so much heart. And I read that initially this was New Line wanted to license it, um, but they wanted to cut out all that sentimental stuff. That is cutting out the whole heart of this film. I know. That, this movie would not... That's probably it, is what you're saying, is exactly it. If this film didn't have that as its emotional core, it wouldn't have been... It would have just been another, oh, ha-ha, look it, we're poking fun of horror movies by by mimic mocking them and going over the top with certain things. But because of this emotional core of her reconnecting with her mother, getting a second chance to spend time with this loved one that she dearly misses, and then maybe even a way to uh, save her, you know? Right. Oh my gosh, it was killing me. And, And it's so surprising to me how they could balance those different tones, because you have this straight, almost slapstick comedy in so much of the movie, and then you'll have these moments between characters, like even in the movie theater, Chris and Max have this little moment where she's, you know, kind of saying it's kind of weird to be here to see the movie or whatever, and Chris just says, well, but isn't it nice to kind of be able to honor your mother's memory in this way? And and she just kind of quietly concedes. You know, it's those those sweet moments. And then later in the film, Max and Nancy have moments that are not entirely devoid of comedy, but that's not where the focus is. It's really on their relationship. And it it's believable, and it's sweet to the point where you're going to cry, folks! Yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I lost it a couple times during this movie. Uh, yeah. I, I, was really try- I was trying not to, because I... I don't know, stereotypical horror fan, whatever. But, you know, I'm a sensitive guy. I, I get choked up about all kinds of things, and I, I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of Todd crying over this 
Cordy <laughs> horror movie. Little did he realize. <laughs> or maybe he realized. I'm over and here then, like, oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I, I hear him sniffing a little bit and rubbing his eyes, and I, I didn't, I didn't want to look because I didn't want to be uncomfortable or whatever. But, it, but seriously, I mean, it, it's got that much heart to where it affects you on a surprising level, and I just love it. You know, I through the whole movie my my face was just glowing and you know as soon as it was over i just i love this movie any film that can take you on an emotional roller coaster uh is is what we would what i would consider a successful film you know right. that's did i like the movie well the answer to that question is did it touch me yeah and this movie this movie touched me in so many places <laughs> It's just a joy when you can get a film that has you laughing out loud one minute and then just bawling your eyes out the next and can bring you back then to that laugh out loud moment just a couple minutes later, you know? It's, yeah. It just strikes the right balance. Yeah, and, and so then, you know, what <laughs> what happens is they eventually realize, okay, we're in the movie, and there are so many clever things. Like, the van goes by several times before, and every time it goes by, it says 92 minutes later, the exact <laughs> length of both the actual Camp Bloodbath film and this film, 92 minutes later. And that's when Duncan puts two and two together. He's the guy, like, um, I can't remember the name of the character in Scream, who yeah, knows yeah. all the rule or whatever. And he, he instantly is like, sets his watch, and he realizes it's 92 minutes later, and he goes, oh, don't you guys realize we're in the movie? And so when they pull up that third time, Tina is like, you guys know the way to the camp? And he says, well, yeah, we're actually we're counselors there. Um, and I can show you the way if you'll just give us a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, hop on in. So they all hop in, which man, this is the one criticism, maybe just the only criticism really I have of the movie is yeah. as soon as they get in the car and they're just driving along. And now we've seen this scene in the movie, mm-hmm. movie Camp Bloodbath play out where at some point the driver, Kurt, turns around and says... Uh, somebody wake up Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. and in the back uh, is obviously it's Max's mother's mm-hmm. character Nancy who comes out and now come on there's no way that Max isn't sitting right. here thinking this whole oh, time that her right. mom is also in the car too so when that moment comes up it's a little silly it is a little silly that she turns around and has that moment I don't know honestly I don't know how else you could have set it up right but, you know <laughs> because she's not the you know the horror movie one who I don't know you're right it is a little bit silly that she wouldn't have thought about it before she got in but at the same time it was still kind of sweet you well, know I mean between you know when you see the look on uh, Taze of Farmiga's face it's you feel for her you like do. oh like my god what would that be like to not only encounter your deceased mother but in her youth and at, at her prime and to see her in all her glory i mean happy it's, it's, and playful yeah you know even not the because in, in the beginning of the movie there was some indication that she was a little beat down you know by the yeah. fact that she would been typecast or she just couldn't get anything good i mean they were coming after that audition and they were joking about it and they get past it but you could see tell that was a lingering thing so here was she when she was doing that part that she was sure was going to rock at her to stardom it just did it in a whole different way right you know and so they had to have that moment so of course I'll, I'll, I'll forgive that, you know. Yeah. I don't know how else you could have could have done it, really. Right. They, they, so they all go to the camp, and and it's funny because the characters in the movie, <laughs> like they don't know really how to interact with these new people, but 
they're trying to go along with it and and the the people from outside of the movie are trying to play along and there's just so much silly hilarious they're even, dialogue they're even using old 80s slang back to right. the characters in the film yeah right um, <laughs> yeah i think there's there's a point where um they go up to kurt because they're they're thinking about their first thought is we'll just take the van and we'll drive out of here. Um, so they go up to Kurt to ask for the keys and Kurt is throwing all these lame like lines at them or whatever. And Oh, what's up? Fun bags. Fun bags. Right. Yay, feminism. Listen, we need to borrow your van for a little while. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. What's in it for me? How about my friends? Don't kick your ass. This guy's your friend. Yeah, yeah right. You want to go? <laughs> no, no. God, Tricep no. smash. Okay. And that would kill you. That's a karate technique. No, I don't. I've never actually fought anyone before in my life. Yeah, well, I have so many times. Seven times. Hey, we. this is so weird. Do me a favor and just zing me. Just get me. Fine. How about you go suck a turd? <laughs> <laughs> writing is so bad. <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such corny, corny. We, we've lived through this. We understand it. Um, this time and period in films. It, it, that was also a neat thing about this movie. Is it was really not just um, showing the dichotomy between the now and the then, but also the now and the then in film. And how we've really gotten past... A lot of ridiculous stuff that we used to put up with in pop culture. Uh, you know, uh, if you go far, far enough back, there are all these racial stereotypes right. that used to be so much a part of movies that just embarrass us today. But go up a couple notches, and there are other stereotypes as well that we used to perpetuate in films that you go back and you look at them now and you just shake your head. And right. go, I can't believe we used to talk like that. I can't believe you know people thought that was funny mm. and stuff. And they have there's so many of those moments in here too that it makes you hyper aware. In in some ways, very proud. Like I was like hyper aware. Like wow, look how far we've come in just a couple decades. This guy just like. Is is making boob jokes to right. the girls like right in their faces, <laughs> and they're just laughing at it like it's funny, or they're just brushing it off. I mean, this guy would have been arrested so quickly. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just ostracized for sexual uh, assault. Yeah, I mean, that was just kind of what we expected from those movies. You know, that kind of sexism. You know, exploiting women, and it's not. I think that we're proud of. <laughs> I think we're more proud of how far we've come. Yeah. Um, but there's. I don't know. I don't know if it's nostalgia or what, but like uh, Kurt at one point says to some girl, nice legs, what time do they open? <laughs> just, just the most horrible. And and the girls in those movies in the 80s would respond to that flirtatiously. You know, women <laughs> today would punch that guy in the face, but yeah. um, I don't know. It's, it's a day gone by that we went through and we can look back now and laugh this um, was a good-naturedly. Safe, a very safe way to go back and, lo- and laugh at it. Well, yeah. and it, it, that's what it seems like. Like, it is making fun of those movies, but it seems like it's it's people like us making fun of them. You know, yeah. it, it's it's good-natured. It's it, We love it, too. That's why we want to laugh about it. And, uh, it's, it's so good. <laughs> um, then Okay, so they figure out they're in the movie. 
the first girl to die, they see her going off into the woods. So they know that things are progressing the way that they're supposed to in the movie. They follow her out there, and there's this really hilarious dialogue like, shouldn't we stop this? I can't believe we're just going to sit here and watch these people casually get murdered. Yeah, which which was interesting. As soon as that line came up, obviously, ding, 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 ding. You know, we're thinking back. I don't know about you, but I was thinking back to uh, Funny Games. Yeah. And I, was, I, was, I thought, wow, is, are we going to start going here, too, where, we, where we're talking about the entertainment of violence and these people are, are living through this film they're going to watch these people die yet uh they're not going to intervene and do anything but this is going to bother them so much more now, it didn't really go there no not know? really it i didn't. mean it, it's it hinted at it a little bit but i mean then that's what they do they sit there and watch the movie play out um billy the jason-esque killer comes and he kills this uh, counselor and this hot like hiker Hiker. guy (laughs) that she met in the woods and again it's just such cheesy like i mean what is he says like do you know the how to get there and she's like a guy like you could go anywhere (laughs) and then they just start making out in the woods so cheesy and stupid and hilarious and so they they they're like hiding behind a log it's almost like cartoonish like scooby-doo or something their heads are just all poking up one right after the other and they watch these people get killed and then billy turns and sees them and I think just stands there and and uh, the hot guy Chris is like run and so they all start running except for Duncan who says no don't worry about it he, we're not from the movie so he doesn't know what to do with us he'll leave us alone yeah Duncan thinks he has this the rules of this world all right. figured out <laughs> and it plays out so funny because it seems like he's going to be right like the, the killer just stands there for a while and then the killer like walks right up to him and Duncan is clearly really scared um, but the killer kind of walks away and Duncan's like see guys told you <laughs> and then the machete comes flying into frame and slices right through his abdomen and he falls over presumably dead. So we immediately know that uh, the, there are no rules here. Uh, these guys are just as much in it as anybody else, and so that r- immediately ratchets up, up the stakes. So it takes us from this observational laughing at moment into okay, now we need to really get invested in these characters because they are now in peril. And and that's at the point at which, I, I would say that's the point at which it becomes a horror movie, really. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, yeah. uh, essentially. Well, but it's even pretty light on it. Oh, because, it is. Because Billy doesn't show up again for quite a while. I mean, there's a lot of interaction between the characters where the folks from outside the movie kind of figure out what's going on and, and say, you know, we've got we to gotta make it to the end of the movie. Um, and the end of the movie is when, you know, the, I feel like they say that's the rule. Duncan says that before he dies. Movies like this end when the final girl kills the bad guy. Yeah. And, and he, he tells them who the, the final girl is. It's this girl named Paula. She's like the hot badass girl. And he's like, she's going to show up in the next frame. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, the next scene, he'll be... Right. Like, what do you say? Like, 20 minutes in, she's right. going to show up. And so they decide before Duncan gets killed we've just got to find this final girl and stick with her until the end and then everything will be okay and and knowing the rules of the film there's also this sense that anybody who has sex is going mm-hmm. to die and this is really spurs the first more or less poignant encounter between Max and uh, her mom's character Nancy mm-hmm. uh, where Nancy's out there Nancy's just just volunteers that she's going to oh yeah I'm totally going to do uh, Kurt tonight <laughs> Kurt told me he wants to do it later. Wow. Just like that? I know. And it's like, I can't stay virgin forever, you know? And he's been with a lot of girls, so he can probably, like, I don't know, help me along. You shouldn't have sex. Why? Because I, I heard that sex can kill you. Max, 
Sex isn't anything to be afraid of. I told myself that I was going to lose my virginity this summer, get drunk. Not necessarily in that order. Please just trust me. You sound like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it man. Was, but it was a very interesting reversal at that point, which kind of continues where she does end up being the caretaker mm-hmm. because she, like a mother over her child, has more information, has right. more worldly knowledge and experience than her mother's character in the film. Right. And so she takes on this role of caretaker for her and uh and makes sure just starts to intervene to make sure that she don't, don't take your top right. off don't have right. sex with that guy it, despite the warning we we see the beginning of the scene that we've already seen from earlier in the theater where Nancy is going she's like getting herself ready she's spraying perfume she's lighting candles and there are so many funny things that they do with how being in a movie and being aware that you're in a movie it makes such a difference because as soon as Nancy starts doing all this stuff, getting ready for sex, you start hearing the, <laughs> which is is stolen just directly uh, from Friday the Thirteenth. But the 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 characters from outside the movie can hear it, so so they it's like, know. Oh crap! So she right. runs up the stairs. <laughs> it, right. It's like no, you can't do this. You can't have sex. Um, and this movie, more than any of these, I'm in a movie. Movie maybe. Not since the last action hero has anybody taken it this far. Yeah. I mean, you see titles on the screen that actually exist in their world that they're stepping over. Right. And their sound effects are coming in and all that stuff. And I really appreciated that they just went whole hog on it. And after she stops them, they run downstairs. And I'm pretty sure, isn't this the point at which she yeah. says, oh, it's Billy, Billy, um, Billy Murphy. Uh, is going to kill us. And Nancy says, Billy Murphy? <laughs> you don't mean the Billy Murphy. <laughs> and right. she slips right into her scene, which we've already seen in the, the flashback scene. Where she does the flashback. And <laughs> it's so funny because she starts telling the story and like she and all of the other in the movie characters just drift to the couches where they're supposed all to be. All <laughs> sit down at once to sit down and hear this story. It's it's blocked. It's totally right, blocked. Right. And everybody else is looking at him like, what the heck? <laughs> And she starts to tell this story, and there's this really cool... I mean, I don't even know. I feel like the budget couldn't have been huge on this. Some of the effects, except for towards the end. Towards the end, they seem to be really cool. But some of them seem to be maybe a little cheap, but believable and fun. Like, when, when Nancy starts telling the flashback story, it's almost like the celluloid kind of starts to melt from up above and melts down all around them until then they are in black and white, which they comment on, wait a minute, am I colorblind? Did I have a stroke? What's happening? <laughs> it's that, it's that, um, that uh, you know, liquidy look where, right. you know, you've seen in the movies where, oh, we're going back in time. And for some reason, long, long ago, somebody decided that flat, that, that transition needed to look like it was like water. Right. <laughs> like, ooh, blah, 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 <laughs> like Wayne's World. And, uh, and so, yeah, this is like the real-world manifestation of what that would actually be like, I guess. Having the liquid water, kind of everything around you gets blurry. Wash away, yeah. yeah. is neat. And, and so then they're in the flashback, and they're in black and white. They see the whole Billy origin story, which was that he was kind of this weird kid that everybody picked on. And the counselors played a prank on him. He locked himself in the outhouse, and they said, I know how to get him out. And they threw, like, this big thing of firecrackers in there, and he, that's how he got burned. And then it said, like, he wanted to cover up his uh, his physical scars, so he made a mask. And it's this funny kind of, it's like a Greek tragedy mask. Yeah. 
I read with a tiki mask. In yeah, a way. yeah. I read that uh, initially the mask had these great big eyebrows, and everybody on the set referred to it as the Eugene Levy uh, <laughs> mask. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, they trimmed the eyebrows down a little bit. But it's—I mean—it's almost comical. It's kind of scary. It's not like something you wouldn't have seen in any of those copycat slasher movies. Yeah. And so we get the origin story, and it's very typical of any of the origin stories of those slashers. It reminded me of, um, was it called The Burning? Yeah. The... Yeah, it was. There was actually a lot of this movie that reminded me of that, um, and I'm, and I'll, hopefully I can pinpoint why as we go along. Well, I don't even remember if I've seen that movie, but I did read that they were inspired by that. Oh, but, really? Okay. Yeah, but it's... Uh, well, that's a pretty notorious one anyway. Right, so. well, and I mean, with the whole camp setting, I mean, there's yeah. a clear Friday the 13th reference. Um, they don't really delve so much into the whole Pamela Verhees thing or anything, but... Yeah, but there are shades of it, and I guess also shades of the burning toward the end where they retreat to another location, and but that which was also a little bit of Friday the 13th as well, but... Well, so many homages. I mean, we've got characters named uh, Nancy and Tina. I mean, these are the two main girls from Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, folks, I encourage you to read. If you're interested in this movie, read the trivia on IMDb. It's it's (laughs) like five pages long. Yeah, and there's every most of it is is gold. I mean, it's 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 so interesting. But so they get the flashback, then they get back. And it's funny in the flashback when Billy kills the counselors, blood splashes on Gertie's face, and when they come back in to real time the blood is still on her face and so when the story's over all of the camp counselors look out at her and scream and run out the building like they're gonna try to run and get away yeah and the out of the movie characters say you can't get away because they've already tried they've run away and like everything just played on a loop and they realized there was no escaping it which was uh, which is also kind of like friday uh um, nightmare on Elm street four is it the dream one yeah we have that looping sequence yes i hadn't thought of that but yeah it's exactly like that and they try to run away, and this is when <laughs> people... Say, well, we Paula arrived, and they kind of tried to cling on to her or whatever, and she's hilarious. I mean, she plays that tough girl in the horror movie perfectly. Which is interesting, because usually the final girl in the horror movie is not the tough girl right. at all. Right, it's usually the sweet girl. Yeah. And that's who they modeled Nancy after. They modeled Nancy after... Um, I won't be able to think of her name, but the... Oh, I, her, the actress's name is Amy something from one of the Friday the 13th movies, maybe three, um, blonde. Anyway, not the telekinetic one. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> so everybody starts to try to run away and um, Chris and Paula jump into Paula's car. Paula's car is like, you know, a muscle car with the license plate Paula 1. I mean, it's all... It's so cheesy, but yeah. funny. And, and they're driving away, and everybody's like, but wait, she's the final girl. Wait, wait. And she... <laughs> Out of nowhere, right walking in the road, comes Duncan saying, Hey, wait, guys, I'm I'm not not dead. dead. (laughs) (laughs) And she plows him down. And Chris is like, Oh, my God, you killed Duncan. And he makes some pervy sex joke with totally, you know. It was just Kurt, right? Is it Kurt? Yeah, you're right. Kurt, sorry. I'm getting them mixed up. Kurt, the the goofy one. Yeah. Um, And then, so the... Paula crashes her car. Kurt goes flying out. It is like (laughs) totally mangled on the road. And then they're like, Paula, wait, we need you. And the car explodes. Yes. Which, which, which throws their whole plan out of whack. Yeah. So then they have to rethink things. You know, it's funny the way Kurt was mangled. um, Did you, did you ever see it follows? Yes, I did. 
Remember the opening sequence of that where they're slowly panning across a beach and you see somebody who's mangled in almost that exact same, where their body's just bent backwards and it's like their legs are hanging down? I don't remember. I just saw it once. Yeah, it was like pretty much the same thing. I thought that was interesting. And, you know, it's gross. And this is where we kind of start to get more of the horror elements where people are getting killed in different ways. It's also really comical. It is. Hilariously Almost like a cartoon in some ways. Oh, definitely. And it's a PG-13 movie. And, you know, I... I read online all the time, you know, comments from horror fans who are not fans of PG-13 horror, and I'm not really sure why that is. We don't get a lot of gore in this movie. Um, we, You know, we see violence, but there's not a lot of bloodletting. There's not... Uh, there's implied sexual content and implied nudity, but you don't see a lot of it. No. And you just don't need it. I mean, we get it. You know, we get that somebody has to show their tits for Billy to arrive, but we don't have to see them. Yeah. You know, I mean... I, yeah, I feel why? like they, they could have gone there and it would have been fine and maybe it would have been just as funny or maybe more funny. I don't know. Well, I, but it just didn't feel necessary. I think what you're, you know, hearing you talk, Craig, that's the same, that's our modern sensibility. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same thing about the 80s. Like when I was talking earlier, we've kind of gone beyond that right. now where that's necessary or that's even really titillating. Yesterday's, you know, our movie is today's PG-13. Right. Right. Um, you can go on the internet and you can find whatever you want. You can find real people getting hacked up on the internet. Right. No longer is it well, really... Well, and you can find your fair share of boobs on the internet, oh, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it's no longer entertainment. And so in these, even in these films, I was struck by the fact that, no, nah, I didn't need to see this at all. You know, it didn't make the movie. Of course, back then, that was a lot of what made the movie because the movie was pretty crappy otherwise. Right. You know. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was a, I was a fan of that. I liked the idea that I could probably sit down. Actually, I probably couldn't. But this is about as close as it gets to me being able to sit down, even with my wife, and watching this. I was like, wondering that. She now there are a few things in here that would have bothered her, nonetheless. Like she can't really even see Chevy Chase take a pratfall. Gotcha. You know that that's kind of the level we're dealing with. But just just a couple notches above that is all this is. Yeah, it's a fair PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it really. And, is. I mean, Indiana Jones is in some right. cases more violent than this is, and I'm cool with it. I, I think yeah. it struck a great balance. I don't have any problem with that at all. At that point, I feel like they they make a plan. Um, they Duncan had said something about he can only be killed with his own machete or something like that, and um, everything else will only hurt him. But they set up, you know, like these traps, and it's great. It's a perfect '80s montage. I mean, it's Nancy going around and setting up all these things in her house to trap Freddy. Yeah, um, it's exactly that. And you've got the classic, you know, kind of '80s synth music in the background, and so they set up all this stuff and the. The way that they're going to get Billy there is that in the original movie, at the, in the slumber party scene, Tina did a strip tease. Um, so bef- up until now, <laughs> they've had her with like oven mitts on and like a, a life vest from the <laughs> boat to keep her from taking her clothes off so Billy won't come around. It's like Tina's sole purpose in life and everything that drives her is the ability to tear at her own clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the implication that you get from this. Is that Tina's just looking for any and every excuse? To oh, take she's it off. just the sex bot. When when um, Max and Nancy are having the conversation about why Nancy shouldn't have sex, uh, Nancy says, "Sex isn't bad. Tina's already have it twice today, and she's perfectly normal." <laughs> and then it cuts to a scene of Nancy like grinding up on Tina. Chris. Oh yeah, excuse me, Tina grinding up on Chris, the hot guy. Well, in every scene Tina's in, she's just off in space doing some kind of dance or yeah. grinding on a. T- Table or yeah, got her Walkman in and she's dancing and 
<laughs> and and there are jokes that you know uh, Tina's you know kind of fascinated with um, Vicky's iPhone and um, she finds the Adderall in in uh, I guess she's wearing Vicky's jacket she finds the Adderall and f- at first Vicky takes it away for her and says no not for you but eventually somehow she gets it back and she takes like all of them so she's just like comically hopped up on Adderall and they're like oh no we'll have to change the plan she's like no I got this I got it. <laughs> And she, so they're like, all right, well, let's give her a chance. And she does this strip tease. Like a strip tease on Adderall. Yes. And two, uh, Cherry Pie, which, oh, God, you just don't get any more 80s than that. You really don't. And uh, it's great. The strip tease is so funny. Like, she's so hyped up. And I read that she just totally made that up all on her own. Oh just ad libbed the whole thing. And it is hilarious. She's down grinding on the ground. And eventually, at the end of it, she pulls up her top. Again, we don't see her boobs, but we know that she's showing her boobs. And at that very <laughs> moment, out of the fog comes walking Billy. And it's just perfect. It's like a bear to honey right there. Oh my god, it's so funny. <laughs> And, of course, it doesn't go as planned. Right. Um, he comes in, and uh, she actually ends up tripping, running away from him and tripping into one of the traps. So her head goes right into a bear, bear trap. trap. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes in, and uh, the, they release a giant... Uh, they shut the door, and at the back of the door, they put all these antlers, like uh-huh. spikes on it. They release a giant hammer. That goes into him, and he flies up, very movie-style, into the the antlers and the spikes and so you think everything's going to be fine but then somebody comes nearby the black guy who we've not even mentioned his name is blake um, (laughs) who who i expected them to play him as the the gay guy because he kind of had that look about him yeah but they didn't no everybody had that look yeah true (laughs) he uh he he kind of had a thing with gertie and like so they kiss and i think he's trying to go be the hero he's trying to go get the machete but billy wakes up the problem is that they kiss he says i love you and she says i don't care and she kisses him and you're thinking oh you idiot this is the moment of course he goes up to get the machete and the machete ends up uh, he wakes up and kind of slashes him with the machete instead so he falls down there's a moment between gertie and him uh, and then they all run upstairs mm-hmm. as he launches himself off of those spikes and goes after them yeah there was also vicky's about to die which is why i wanted to say this again another one of these moments where it's so self-referential and funny but at the same time kind of sweet there's this moment at some point yes. where gertie and um max and Vicky are all talking together and and Vicky says, you know, when your mom died, you really retreated into yourself and I miss you. You know, we were friends. And she said, I know that I've become kind of a, and Gertie says, bitch. She's like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, She's like, but you know, I'm, I'm, and I know I did some things that were bad and that I shouldn't have done, but I'm really sorry. And I love you. Or I don't know what she says. And, And it's, it kind of comes out of nowhere and it should be silly. And it is. But it feels heartfelt, like it feels true. And she said, uh, Max says, "Don't you don't have to die. And she says, I'm the mean girl in an 80s movie. I've made it past the halfway mark. I think I pretty much overstayed my welcome. Yeah, which is funny and also kind of sad. Right. Because she recognizes herself in this movie. You know, it's like uh, you don't real- recognize yourself until you see it reflected back at you. This is what she's experienced now. And now... This girl who we were introduced to in the beginning of the movie and had totally pegged her as that girl. She sees that girl, realizes she's that girl, and now she's contrite about it. Right. And that's one of the things that I think that this movie does so well is that it gives you these kind of stock characters, but then it forces you 
to be sad when they die because mm-hmm. they're not just stock. They're real people that have feelings and they have more than one level. Um, they're really not flat. And so you, you want them all to, you know, they're not going to, but you want them all to make it and you're legit sad when they die as opposed to in the regular where you're almost waiting for it and applauding when it happens. Yeah. <clears throat> but their whole plot, their whole thing with her is with um, taking this guy down is just as absurd as in any of these films. Yeah. Um, because uh, as they're chasing as he's chasing after them and they are running upstairs, they're shooting him with <laughs> flaming arrows from across the room, which none of it makes any sense. No. It's so funny. but of, So he has all these flaming arrows in his chest and when they run upstairs one of their schemes was that he would come into a room and they would dump this bucket of gasoline, right. I guess, on him to really ignite the arrows. And that's where these two girls, um, Gertie and um, Vicky. Vicky, get stuck. Uh, for some reason, they're yanking on it. It's not coming down. He comes in, throws a bookshelf on them. They're pinned underneath the bookshelf. And there's that moment where you know they're going to die. They know they're going to die. And uh, escaping out the window, Max and... Uh, Chris know that they're going to die and there's nothing they can really do and Vicky looks up and and says it's okay mm-hmm. it's okay like I've accepted my fate this was destiny um go on and save yourself and gives them that permission to leave right and it's sweet you know Gertie gets stabbed um and they're both trapped under the thing uh, Billy takes his machete and stabs through Gertie and again it's sad we like this character it really bothered me <laughs> yeah. actually like more than it would normally yeah. Yeah. And, and and like you said that you know they say it's okay and they hold hands they hold they yes. their, each other's hands and, and then they pull down they've been trying to pull this bucket finally um uh, Vicky gives it one last. The other people, the one, the the remaining people are now Chris, Max, and Nancy. They get out the window, and Vicky pulls this bucket down, and the house explodes. And this, I felt like, was where the effects started to get so cool. Yeah, they j- the the heroes jump out the window, and it goes into slow mo, and Nancy goes, "What's happening?" <laughs> And Max is like, it's slow-mo. And then Billy, and just really, I mean, I feel like they kind of tried to do this in some of the later in those franchises of like Friday the 13th and whatnot. He bursts out of the house in flames, and it's this slow-mo shot where he just slowly, slowly descends and stomps down right in front of them and they get up and run. And this whole chase scene is in slow-mo and he's right behind them. But I don't know, it it looked to me like it was really good slow-mo. Like they were really running and it it really captured it um, with him right behind. And oh God, I thought the effect was so cool. It was really cool. And it really adds this tension to the scene. You know, and the slow-mo tries to give you this tension but in this case, where the slow-mo is this self-aware kind of slow-mo, you're thinking, I, I don't know, I was just immediately putting myself in their shoes and thinking of the effort it would have taken to, like, trying really hard to bring your right. foot forward and this foot forward. And, and if you're in slow-mo but your mind is going at normal speed, like, how are you planning and plotting out every little movement that you make? Right. And I was thinking, wow, this is actually kind of an advantage that they have. Yeah. You know, if they're aware of the slow-mo and able to plot and plan, and then they get to that pot pond and, and they start to leap over, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they start to leap over the pond, but of course the guy reaches out and grabs somebody's leg. Chris, Chris's leg, yeah. right? And that's when Chris gets... Well, and it breaks out of the slow-mo at that That's point. right. And so they're kind of stuck there, and I think it's Max says, 
flashback, flashback, say the words, say the words. And so Nancy starts telling her story again really, really fast, and it goes into flashback, and they're right back where they were. And this, again, is where they did some really fun things with the lettering, where it says, I don't know how many years later. It was like a subtitle, later. The Christmas 1957 right. or something. And, like, characters are tripping over the letters, and the letters are, like, spilling out like they're part of the actual environment. Really clever. And this is the point, and I actually predicted I was wrong, but I thought they were going to go back and actually prevent those firecrackers from going right. into that outhouse in the first place and erase him, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that they didn't even occur to them. They didn't really go there. But what they did do was follow Billy uh, after he emerged from the outhouse and saw that there was some kind of other cabin or some kind of house back in the woods across some yeah. lake or whatnot. Nancy says, I've never seen this part of camp before, <laughs> which is always how it is. I mean, in Friday the 13th, you know, Jason has his little shack just right outside the camp yeah. and nobody ever knows about it. Um <laughs> And that, so that gave them information. Right. Yes. And then Billy is also with them in the flashback, and when he catches up with them, then somehow they get out of it, and he's kind of not there anymore. I but, don't know how But not before out. Chris gets stabbed, yeah. right? Yeah. He gets stabbed by Billy. and um, through, With the machete through his yes. abdomen. <laughs> and Max is like, are you okay? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> she grabs him and takes him to a church. The old church. <laughs> the old abandoned church. That was so funny. At this point, we're really breaking into total surrealness. Yes. Like, the movie is clearly doesn't even care anymore. Right. We are going full whole hog Hollywood here. And she's taken this advantage with the light behind it. Right. The stained glass. The windows. It, right. Again, I mean, it is the finale of some of those later in the franchise, right? The 13th movies. And, like, where they don't even bother to really make sense. No. Like, uh, instead of just killing Nancy, Billy throws him over her shoulder, throws her over his shoulder and, and takes her off. And, um, which, in a way, you're thinking if she's supposed to be the final girl in the movie logic, he's got to do something with her besides kill her. Right. So we're gearing up for the final scene, right? Right, right. So it still makes some sense, but you're right. It is absolutely part and parcel any single one of these films. Yeah. 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 And so uh, when Billy takes Nancy off, Chris is, you know, saying to Max, it's too late for her. It's too late for her. She's gone. She's dead. But Max says, no, she's not. I'm going to get her back. I can protect her. I can save her. And I feel like it was before this, you know, it was when they found out about Billy and they were, you know, preparing to protect themselves. That's when we really get that really, really, personal and emotional scene between Nancy and uh, her mom or, and Max, excuse me. And Nancy is saying, you know, I, I don't want to die. You know, I, I had had a dream that I would go to college and I would meet a guy and I would have a daughter and I would love her. And yeah. um, it, it, it sounds so silly. I mean, we, I don't think that we can really convey. I mean, it's, it's, it's so sweet. It comes across so much better on the film than we can describe it. Right. But this is when they're, I think they're dipping the arrows in the gasoline. Yeah. Getting ready. Um, this was shortly after the montage. That they had this mother and daughter moment where the mother didn't realize this was her daughter. And the daughter never let on. Right. God, your parents must be freaking out right now. I mean, you've been gone for hours. They must be so worried about you. Not really. Never knew my dad. And my mom's away. What's she like? She, uh... She was so beautiful. And funny. She never knew how awesome she was. How'd she die? Never said she died. You said was, so... 
I just figured. It's okay. You don't have to tell me. Here. I'm going to have this. It's a friendship bracelet. So you don't forget me. How could I ever forget you? It's almost like there she senses some sort of connection, but they don't know. And and like with us talking about it, it seems like it would be out of place in the movie, but it's not. It just works. It I mean, does. they pull back on the comedy a little bit. They take these moments to really get us invested in these characters and care about their relationships. And I have, you know, we have to credit the actresses. It was just such strong performance that it worked. Yeah. Somewhere else with weaker performances, it would have feel it felt cheesy, it would have felt forced, but here it just really works. It really did. And yeah. so that sets you up for what's about to come. Right. Max goes to find Nancy and she finds her tied up in this place and then Billy shows up and all three of them kind of start fighting. Like Billy will hit one and the other one will strike back at him and they're getting some blows in, but really they're kind of getting beat up until Finally, uh, Billy doesn't have his machete anymore, but he has this little knife, like a pocket knife, and he stabs Max with it. I don't remember how this happened. Like, I, I know that Nancy, like, kind of took him out a little bit somehow with the machete. Like, he was out of commission for a minute, and they were able to run back to the church, right? Uh-huh. That's where they, again, they have this conversation where Max finally confesses, Nancy says... It's okay. You're not going to die. I'm going to be the final girl. I'm not just going to be the shy girl with the clipboard and the guitar anymore, which is kind of what she's been lamenting this whole time, that she was just the shy girl with the clipboard yeah. and the guitar. Well, because somebody said that outright. Yeah. 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 Vicky, I think, did. Mm-hmm. She said, you can't be the final girl. She's like, I can do this. You're you know, you're know, still alive. All I have to do is go out and, and die, and you guys can go home. And that's when Max confesses the truth. No. Mom, you belong at home with me look your, your name is Amanda Cartwright and you live in Encino and, and you love Betty Davis eyes and Mel's diner and you wanted to be the biggest movie star more than anything in the world but you had a daughter you have a daughter I'm not going and that's such a poignant moment because uh, you know that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's what has to happen, really, because eventually they have to get back to the real world and her mother is still going to be dead. And throughout this whole film, even the other character just saying, look, she's not your she's mom. She's not your mom. She, you're, you're, you're holding on to this, but she's not. And in a way, she knows it, mm-hmm. but she's just really not ready to let it go. Well, and I really like that the movie played it that way. I really didn't think for a minute that Nancy was going to get out of it, that she was going to get to come back. It wouldn't have made sense because Mm -hmm. even within the context of the movie, even when Max tells her the truth, it's not as though, oh, realization, I'm your mom. No, you know, I am this character that your mom played, but they've established this bond so that it almost feels motherly. Yeah. Um, and it's really sweet. And so she, and again, the effects here are so cool. It's this really wide shot of this, you know, the church in the far right frame, and then just this big open space with this crazy supernatural storm, all pink and purple and lightning. Um, and Nancy goes out, and her song starts playing again. The Betty Davis Eyes song starts oh. playing again. And she walks out, and... 
she starts kind of doing a little strip tease, but she's doing it for Max, who is sitting back in the church watching all of this. And so it's not sexy. It's cute. It's playful. It's like when they were in the car. Yep. It's an exact replica of what they were doing in the car, except now you know she's going to die. Right. And she's willingly sacrificing himself for her daughter. And there are just so many emotional subtext. I mean, it, it just, it just, everything leading up to this point set you up for this point and it pulled the right strings. And I was just like freaking ball. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I couldn't handle it. I was, I had a hard time. And because it, it really did, um, it, she's got to watch her mother die again, uh-huh. but she's doing it for her so she can live on. Um, wow. And it's not like you don't want it to happen. Like you no. appreciate the heroic nature of it. And it's so sweet. And so she does, you know, Billy starts, she sees Billy coming, Billy's walking up behind her, she turns away, Nancy turns away and just looks at her daughter and just, well, her movie daughter, whatever, and just smiles like, it's all right, it's okay. And uh, Billy's just slowly, slowly coming up behind her at the very last second, Max looks away and it pulls back from a close shot back to that really wide shot and we see Billy just nail her you know, right right through the back and you know her back arches um, and she falls forward uh, off the ground and kind of slides off of his knife and yeah it's it, I mean it, it almost feels tragic you know it, like, really it, almost, does. it feels like Greek tragedy or something it does and it all the more power to them that this would happen in this absurd Hollywood atmosphere yeah. you know with the, the the lightning going and the red sky and the, the shadow and silhouette and whatnot. And, you know, you never feel this way in these horror films when that scene is happening. Yeah. But boy, it just it just tugs at you. Yeah, it's a gut punch. Yeah. Well, now, since she's the final girl, Max recovers her strength and she gets up and she and Billy have this awesome fight to the end. I mean, it's exactly what you want for the final battle. It's big. You know, Billy is kicking her and punching her and she's going flying like 20 feet back in the air, scooting along the ground when she lands, but always getting back up and coming right back for more. Uh, And eventually he throws his knife and there's a cool slow-mo shot where she goes down on her knees and leans back and it flies right over. It's like a Matrix type uh, sequence there. And she jumps up and takes the machete and slices him in the leg and then slices slices his arm and then slices his head off and then just like in the 80s movies now it's morning (laughs) (laughs) she wakes up and the birds are singing and for a split second when she woke up because this was a um a flash sort of a throwback to the earliest scene when she woke up in the film i thought don't tell me she's gonna wake up in the woods by the road and this car is going to come right. again. You know? Yeah, I was worried about I, it. Because you're just seeing her eyes, and she opens up, and it's exactly like it is when, when that happens earlier in the film. But she's in a hospital. Well, before the hospital, the credits start to roll. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. The credits start to roll in, in the background. And uh, Chris, who is apparently still alive despite his injuries, comes out, and they like embrace, and they're watching the credits roll. And then when the credits are done... It's like the the film strip like runs out on the projector yep, and they're yep. kind of stuck in that and they're holding one another and then it goes to bright white and then she wakes up in the hospital. And, and that's my second criticism of the film. All right. Artistically, that worked really well. It looked cool. Realistically, nobody shoots, nobody projects film anymore. Right? <laughs> in the theater that they were watching this movie and I just gotta say right. I doubt they were projecting a film print of this film right. but okay that's fine that was the that was the, stupidly enough that was actually going through my mind when, <laughs> when we watched that bit 
But it was so cool. Yeah, the movie ended. And again, like I said earlier, this movie absolutely commits to being a film, them being inside of a film. Mm-hmm. And that credit sequence, I've never seen anything like no. that in any of it. It was movies. really neat. You know, it reminded me, the tonally, the whole movie reminded me a little bit of Cabin in the Woods, um, but even more pushing for the comedy. Um, and le- Cabin in the Woods is, is pretty graphic and, and gross, um, and they stay away from that. But the tone was kind of there, kind of that self-aware uh, yeah. idea. But they wake up in the hospital, and everybody's okay. Yes, they suffered injuries. Duncan shows them that he's got this huge scar that all around his abdomen. I thought it would be, oh, it's all a dream right. kind of thing. And he's like, nope, it really happened. <laughs> Here's my machete scar. <laughs> yeah, which which seems ridiculous. But, that you know, they're all there. They're all okay. But then you hear something out in the hallway... <laughs> And it's this doctor talking to a nurse, like, come on, we've got time. And, like, it's clearly cheese, like sex cheese. Um, and then they look around and they see a Rubik's Cube and a, a can of Tab. And, and a gremlin and, on the yeah. doll. On the- and they realize that they are now in the sequel, uh, Camp Bloodbath 2. I don't remember what the rest of the title was. And, and Billy comes flying through the window and, and Max grabs her. IV pole to like use as a weapon and that's where it cuts out and it's Brilliant. so funny there's no better way to end this movie yeah there's no better way oh and I would watch that sequel too. I would too oh my <clears throat> gosh oh my gosh this you know what um as much as this movie really 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 tugged at my heartstrings I get online and I'm looking through the credits uh, and through the trivia as I often I'm like who directed this what else has he done who wrote this what else have they done one of the writers, it's credited to two writers. One of them is a guy named Jason uh, Joshua John Miller. Mm-hmm. And uh, this person has an act, been an actor in a couple... He was an actor in Near Dark uh, and a couple other horror films in the 80s. But it's said that apparently his father is Jason Miller, who is Father Karas in The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And that he conceived this film and co-wrote it as a way of coping with his own father's death. That makes perfect sense. I mean, it's got so much heart. And like I said, I'm so glad that uh, the people behind it, I I think that it, you know, after it was made, they had a difficult time getting it distributed because they wanted to keep it the way that it was. They wanted to keep the heart of it. And eventually Sony picked it up and and liked it. They toned it down a little bit because they wanted uh, a PG-13. But uh, uh, I'm so glad. Honestly, like you said, I mean... the balance is one thing, but the heart of it is really what gets you. Uh, and and I, I think that's why I've wanted to do this for so long. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is my favorite movie of 2016. Yeah. I was just, from beginning to end, just enraptured, enthralled. It took me everywhere. It took me places I didn't expect to go. Um, and by the end, I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. I'll be watching it again. I'll try to get Bic to watch it with me. Uh, she, I, mean, I think she'll like she it. She would love it if I could, if I just tell her when to close her eyes. Right. I got to watch it a couple more times so that I know when she needs to close her eyes. But uh, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I, I have a really hard time getting my partner to watch horror movies with me too. Yeah. But he, he will concede every once in a while. And this is one where we watched it together. And at the end, he wasn't like, "Yeah, whatever." Like, really? Yeah. No, he really enjoyed it Did too. Did he cry too? Can you? I, he's not so much of a cryer. Oh. Okay. But 
okay. I, I, right. I, I definitely I, cry. I cry like almost every day. I like freaking <laughs> cry at the right commercial. So uh, I'm a bad judge of this. But, you know, I also wonder, um, because I had a similar experience. I might have talked about this before, um, showing my dad Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Okay. My dad's not really into horror. We watched a few horror movies growing up, mostly as a concession to me. But he doesn't know the tropes. He doesn't know the things. And I watched Cabin in the Woods thinking that he would really appreciate and enjoy it. But in the end, because he, I realized that because he didn't know the tropes, because he didn't understand all that, he really didn't get the comedy or he didn't get the thematic thread mm-hmm. of the film. And that caused him to not like it at all. And it wasn't until afterwards we had this discussion where I explained everything to him. He appreciated it more. But but the movie, he, he was like, why'd you show me this gory movie? You know I hate gory movies where people are getting cut up and people mm. are hurting each other, and that's exactly what this yeah. was. And if you're not familiar with horror films, that's what you would, of course, think. Mm-hmm. And it didn't occur to me until I showed that to him that he didn't have the context. So my question for you is, do you think this movie requires that advanced knowledge? I think that being familiar with those old 80s slashers will make you enjoy this movie even more. But I don't know. I just think it's so funny. Even if you don't... I don't know. I mean, what horror fan isn't at least familiar with that type of movie? Well, and a person who's not a horror fan should still be familiar because you still have... I mean, it's so prevalent in pop culture. Even if you haven't seen the movies, I mean, you kind of get... I don't know. I, I think you're right. If it... Would non horror fans like it? Maybe because it is funny, but I really think that it's it's for horror fans. You know, it, it's for people who have grown up with these types of movies um, and do, and, and then you just get more on top of that. You get yeah. the comedy and you get the heart on top of that. Well, and that thematic thread really about this girl and her relationship with her mom should cut through. It really doesn't matter the genre. Whether I agree. Or not you're familiar with these tropes that they're making fun of. And it's it's just a, a wrapping around the core of the film, which should be, I don't know, I mean, my dad would cry at this. Well, and if you're a fan of either of these actresses, which again, I am a huge fan of both of these actresses, Taza Farmiga and, um, oh gosh, uh, Malin Ackerman, huge fans. If you're fans of theirs, you've got to see this movie. It's so funny, and they are so good in it. Well, and the guy who played Kurt, do you know who he is? Yeah, the guy who played Kurt, uh, his name's Adam Devine. Um, he's a musical theater guy. Um, he was in both Pitch Perfect movies, and he was hilarious. And he's a hilarious guy. He seems to be. Yeah, he did a he did a stint, I believe, uh, in the Book of Mormon on Broadway. He's he's really oh. funny. He's very talented. I mean, yeah. the guy can sing too. He's a really talented guy, and he's hilarious in this movie. He is, and, and that's what you know. This movie, more than any other, I think, really if. The what you said earlier about the at the very end after the credits where we got the outtakes and things, this movie needed it. Yeah, it's a movie about movies, it's about people making movies, it's about these things. The outtakes made sense, but also the outtakes thematically totally worked with the film. Oh my gosh, and they were so funny, and it was so nice to just be able to laugh and laugh and laugh at the end. I'm so glad they include I'm a fan of outtakes anyway, you know, they're silly and fun, but here. I, what I really appreciated about them is you could really just tell that everybody was having so much fun making this movie. It made me jealous. Like, oh, God, I, to be to have been a part of this, how much fun would that have been? This is the movie I wish I had made. Yeah. Yeah, this is really it. Oh. It's good. 
All right. Well, I, I, <laughs> if you've made it this long with us gushing throughout this movie, thank you. We appreciate you listening. Uh, if you like our stuff, um, we've got a whole bunch of back uh, episodes on Stitcher and iTunes. We're on Facebook. We'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know what you think. Let us know uh, if there's anything that you would like us to watch and talk about. But until then, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With two guys in a chainsaw.